Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Hi, my name is Dr. Tammy Chang. I am a practicing family physician and health services researcher at the University of Michigan in the Department of Family Medicine. Hi, I'm India Moore-Petanak. I'm a doctoral candidate in the Department of Health Management and Policy in the School of Public Health at the University of Michigan. Great, thank you both so much for being here. So could you share a little bit about what led you to explore the effects of active shooter drills in schools? We looked at the literature and obviously saw a rise in gun violence in schools, gun violence related incidents, and saw that schools have about 92% of schools reported having a plan for an active shooter, and that there was very little literature despite that fact. And so we wanted to dig a little further to understand what youth experiences were with active shooter drills, how they made them feel, whether or not they thought they uh, were doing the job they were intended to do because they were um, the individuals experiencing them most often. And this current generation is experiencing them on a pretty regular basis. Um, and so we thought it was striking that there's almost no literature um, asking them how they feel um, about this regular occurrence in their lives. Yeah, you know, I'll add that there's a lot of concern and it's on the minds of many people, parents, themselves, healthcare providers, um, policymakers about this idea of gun violence in schools. And this is something that people across the board care very deeply about and want to do a good job at. And what we were noticing is that there were a lot of people who were trying to do the right things, but on our team at My Voice, we believe that to do the right thing for youth you have to ask youth because sometimes what adults think, believe, and perceive is only part of the story. And the other part is actually what happens with youth. So in um, this particular instance with active shooter drills, we wanted to ask because there's things that adults were putting into place um, that youth were going through. And, and we wanted to understand, you know, how is that translating for youth? Were youth the benefit that we believe that the adults who are caring for them were trying to um, bring to the table. And, um, you know, what we found is that there were definitely different perspectives from youth compared to likely what the adults were feeling. So how did you conduct the study? What were your methods for distribution and gathering responses? And um, who did you reach out to to conduct the research? My Voice is a fictional text message poll of youth across America, age 14 to 24. And the goal of My Voice is to elevate youth voice to inform policies and practices in real time. We believe that youth are experts of their own experiences and that lived experience of youth, the how and the why of what they do and what they experience is what policymakers need to make really good decisions that address the issues that are actually facing American youth today. And so we recruit American youth across the country representing every state, 
using uh, Facebook and Instagram ads meet national bench benchmarks based on weighted samples of the American Community Survey, which, which is a nationally representative survey. And we have over a thousand youth, very, very diverse across the country. And so we ask them all types of questions. And this particular set on active shooter drills is one of those sets of questions. And what were the results of the study? One of the most uh, striking results is uh, over two thirds of youth said that they experienced an active shooter drill, right? So this is not a rare occurrence. Most um, youth aged 14 to 24 have experienced this at least once. But then we got a kind of contrasting result. So 60.2% um, of youth said that active shooter drills made them feel scared and hopeless and brought up some um, really negative um, emotional responses from them. Um, on the other hand, 56.1% of youth also said that drills made them feel more prepared for the event of an active shooter. Um, and so I think what that really told us is that that contrast may be there uh, because youth understand that they need to be prepared, right? Um, active shooter drills are not trying to get at the root cause of gun violence incidents in schools, but also that even though they're more prepared, uh, that these drills really have uh, a negative emotional impact um, on youth. Youth have really varied experiences, uh, and I think that probably is driving some of the results. You know, um, some students, it was just hiding under a desk, uh, and some students, uh, you know, there was a school police officer banging on the door um, outside in the hallway simulating an active shooter, right? And so those are very different experiences. And I think asking youth to have such a traumatic experience and then immediately 20 minutes later go back to class uh, was something that we saw uh, frequently. And with that very experience, you know, less than 7% mentioned run, hide, fight, uh, which is um, an established method of preparing people for um, uh, an emergency situation. Uh, and so I think the two really big takeaways we had are that drills need to be established um, to be more rooted in effective methods uh, and standardized, and also that they really need to take use uh, emotional um, health into consideration. The really surprising thing about the findings um, for me were that uh, youth were saying that they felt prepared, and which means that whatever they were drilling, they got it. They knew what they were supposed to do. But the surprising part is that the thing that they were supposed to do made them feel scared and helpless. There were quotes like, this is crazy. We're like sitting ducks, right? We're all supposed to get into a corner, but there's only you know 30 of us who are supposed to get into the corner. Um, that we're supposed to cover up our windows with paper. And all, all these quotes um, were said not out of a feeling of, this is going to help me always. A lot of times it was said kind of in a sense of um, fear and this feeling that how could this possibly save me? And I think that that's, that's the part that we thought was so important to share is that we know adults are trying their best to protect youth. And these are things that are complicated 
that youth are in school, there's a lot of students and there's different classrooms and every school is different in a different culture in a different city. Um, but youth across the country are, you know, very rarely do we see saying, um, I feel ready and I feel safer, right? Most youth said, I feel ready and I feel scared or I feel like this is not going to save me. There were some interesting findings also where some youth would say things like, what's to tell you? what we're supposed to do because of this, this idea that youth expressed that if they drill these different procedures, doesn't that educate potential um, you know, perpetrators of violence in my school, which was also a really insightful and interesting um, thought that the, the young people shared with us. So that was part of a larger finding that 24% of kids um, said that students would either forget what they learned in the drill or that it would be informing the next school shooter. And just to build on what Tammy said, part of that stemmed from every school has different uh, resources, realistically. Some schools have older infrastructure um, and there may be ways to get into a school even if you lock the door. Uh, you know, schools with more resources um, have specialized doors that you can only open from the inside, um, which obviously makes it safer, and a potential shooter, which many students seem to think would be from the school they were attending, would now know those kind of weaknesses. I think the most uh, surprising finding aside from that was really just a low number of run, hide, fight uh, experiences. Uh, and I think it's surprising because if this is something that's supposed to protect youth in a very um, serious situation, you would think that school administrators uh, would use the most uh, effective and proven methods because at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to protect America's youth. You know, it's, it's no small ask, I think. And so I think that was a little surprising. So what do these findings demonstrate to you? If you could, you know, summarize it, I know you both, you both started to explain that a little bit in discussing the results, but if you could just explain um, as you review the findings, what those demonstrate to you as researchers. So uh, I think foremost, uh, it would be that mental health professionals need to be involved in designing uh, these drills for schools, um, whether that is a school counselor or a psychologist it should not be that a student is asked to essentially confront their own mortality uh, while uh, conducting a drill and then asked to go to science class 20 minutes later. Um, they should be able to talk about how it makes them feel. They should be able to talk about um, the emotions that it brings up. Um, and, you know, students should be able to debrief such a traumatic experience. Um, I think second, uh, as we've kind of brought up before, um, far more research needs to be done on what is most effective uh, because we shouldn't be putting students through these drills just for the sake of doing them to check a box, right? If the goal is to make them more prepared for the event of someone on campus with the gun, then it should be things that are actually going to protect them. And, you know, I think the last thing would just be understanding that students don't feel satisfied with the current status quo. And they are the ones who are experiencing it. Um, you know, teachers' experiences are also valid. We obviously looked at youth, um, but I think further research can uh, make sure that they're actually incorporating the thoughts of those who are experiencing these drills.
you know, there are schools that do debriefs after drills. And if there were some, um, if there were some movement, it might really be to help those who are youth serving to recognize that it might be, um, you know, a different process to have this opportunity to talk after doing a drill, but that it would be worth it. You know, as a family doctor, this time can, this time of adolescence can be really stressful. Um, and being in school can be really stressful. And adding this idea of, you know, drilling for potential active shooters could really exacerbate that stress for a lot of youth. And, you know, we're always on the lookout for things that might be triggering to youth and ways to support youth um, as they grow and develop during this really important time. So I think the, the will and the, the caring from people who serve youth is there. And I know as somebody who is a youth serving person, you know, I'm always open to hearing about different ways for us to do things better. And this is an example of that is by asking youth, hey, you know, we did, we're doing this thing um, with you guys to protect our school and the community, school community you know, what are you experiencing? How did, how did it um, feel to you? What, what did you uh, learn from it? And always asking, you know, what could be done better? Who needs to learn about these results? And what are your objectives for sharing these results with those people? So um, I think school administrators would probably be number one on the list just because often uh, schools may make these plans school to school or district to district. Um, and so I, I'd say they need to know first. Uh, mental health professionals need to know, whether that's uh, researchers who help do this kind of research or whether that's also um, mental health professionals in school, so school counselors, school psychologists. I, th I really think parents need to know. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if there are some parents who are not aware of what their students are going through. Um, and I think also on some level, other researchers need to know because I think this is just the first step um, and more research needs to be done on what's effective, what are the best strategies, um, and really you know, further understanding the impact on youth. Everyone needs to know because this isn't really an isolated school problem that they're drilling about, right? This is a really a societal problem that we have in America of violence in schools is completely unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. And, you know, in this particular study, we really drilled down on youth experiences on a very specific aspect that's been the result of this violence, which is active shooter drills. But everyone really needs to know because the challenges are not just for people um, who are in the schools or just the youth or just the parents. It's really thinking about, you know, what kind of society do we wanna live in? And what kind of things do we need to do to support the youngest and the most vulnerable in our community? And so we really believe that listening to youth is really vital. It's not often done, but when it's done, I think there's a lot to learn. Can you share why this is an important topic to discuss uh, from a medical perspective? I think that the, there's the mental health aspect of um, of really high stress situations. An active shooter situation is very high stress. 
And in some of these drills, they simulate actual active shooters in a school, which could be incredibly distressing to many youth. And um, we surveyed people who are 14 to 24, but these drills occur also in elementary schools. They may uh, occur in college campuses. And these are things that are distressing to me as an adult. And so as a healthcare provider, I'm always thinking about, you know, what are the things that are helping to support positive growth, positive youth development? And what are the things that might be um, causing distress? And it may be something that needs to be, needs to be number one, acknowledged as being a stressful thing. Um, and number two, making sure that we have the resources and the empathy, sympathy, and um, caring without stigma for youth. Because sometimes, um, sometimes it's difficult for adults to know what's happening with youth today. Because when we were youth, you know, that was maybe several decades ago. And so these unique situations that youth are going to require adults to be really empathetic and to be careful not to stigmatize youth, to say, well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal, it'll be okay. Because those are things that youth sometimes will tell us as well, saying, you know, I wish there was somebody I could talk to, but sometimes they make me feel like it doesn't need to be such a big deal and I'm making a bigger deal out of it than I need to. Which I think as a healthcare provider, I would say is a missed opportunity to really engage youth in talking about you know, how do you process really traumatic events so that it can be something that is positive and um, can help them in the long run. India, can you share um, why this is an important topic to discuss from a public health perspective? You know, in public health, we're really interested in systemic problems and systemic solutions. And when you have so many students having this be a regular part uh, of their life, as Tammy said, we surveyed youth age 14 to 24, um, but as we presented at various conferences, I have had multiple researchers who are parents come up to me and say, my kindergartner is experiencing these drills, right? So this is not a rare uh, experience. Um, this is something that most of America's youth are going through, uh, and therefore it, it demands a, a systemic solution. We uh, shouldn't just have, you know, some schools are getting it right and some aren't. Um, and so I, I think from a public health perspective, that's what stands out most to me. Um, and also, you know, in public health, I think we're worried about issues that affect uh, mental health on a large scale. Um, and seeing some of these responses, you know, seeing students say we, we hide in the dark like rats, that's chilling, I think and is indicative of the fact that some of these students are having very traumatic experiences and having, like Tammy said, no one to talk to about it, not even having a space to debrief about it. Um, and I think something uh, that I think of is that we did this research pre-COVID-19, but realistically, students who are going back to school, and there are many students across the nation who are going back to school in person, are going back to school already at, um, I think, a heightened uh, mental health state. Um, and so will they continue to do these active shooter drills? Yes, probably so. So you're asking them to deal with the mental health burden of a pandemic, a once in a century pandemic. On top of that, you're asking them to, again, you know, confront some pretty serious thoughts in class and then Im immediately go back to learning. 
And if nothing changes, uh, I think that's asking too much of youth. I'd like to ask both of you what you hope listeners take away from this. Um, if there was, you know, one or two or however many key takeaways, what would you want them to take with them? As Tammy said, um, I hope the listeners take away that everyone should be concerned about this. Um, you know, you either, you know, you have uh, a child who's in school and is going to be experiencing these drills, or you're a researcher and you can do something to look at what's most effective, or you're just an American and you think that this is concerning. Um, and I hope that what listeners take away is that, you know, we have some action steps we can really get started on. And that would be looping in mental health professionals. That's something I think we can absolutely do. That would be doing further research on what's most effective and making sure that's implemented. I think those are two reasonable asks that there's no, there's no reason why we should be waiting on those solutions. I totally agree with India. I think the other thing that we can do is acknowledge that this is happening both that there are such things as active shooters that sometimes attack schools, not to brush that under the rug, but to talk about it because it's our reality, talk about it with our peers and talk about it with our children, unfortunately. And also to talk about the drills themselves with our youth. And you could be um, you know, a parent, an, an aunt, a grandparent, um, you know, a good family friend, a teacher, and showing youth that you understand that this could be really scary, that there might be feelings that you're having and that you can talk to us about it. I think that that would just be a really huge step for youth and could make a huge difference. And where do you hope that future researchers go from here? I think one of the biggest things is uh, something we've touched on a little bit in that we have I think like to think we've done a good job of capturing, um, you know, part of the youth experience, uh, but maybe going a little bit further, um, are, you know, younger children having an even different experience? Um, how are, you know, teachers experiencing this? They are the other kind of ha other half of this equation. Often they're asked to lead youth, you know, through this, uh, these drills. Um, and I, I really just hope that researchers take it upon themselves to uh, find solutions. I think we've kind of, we've started asking questions and, uh, you know, the urgency is there, I think, um, to make sure that youth don't go a whole nother school year and this is their continued experience. This is a multifaceted problem and it's going to require multifaceted strategies. Researchers are going to be a part of that, but We've talked about parents being involved and policymakers and teachers and administrators and community members. And I believe that it's gonna take everybody working together and thinking about these issues together um, to make sure that we're doing the best we can for youth in America today. And so in terms of research specifically, there's so many aspects that this problem calls to calls to the table. And um, I'll just emphasize again that I think that we should never forget to ask the actual people that it affects, which includes young people, um, children, and the school community inside those buildings. I'd just like to add that I know that there are many other 
things going on in this country right now, um, many other things that are on people's minds. Um, but my hope is that, you know, people read our study, um, like Tammy said, whether that's community members, whether that's even if you don't know someone who goes to school or researcher, I hope that people read our study and understand how urgent and important this is. Like I said, this is even more urgent during COVID-19. Um, this is not a, a problem that went away. Um, and I hope that the solutions come uh, sooner rather than later. I'll just add that these discussions bring a lot of hope to me. I think that for when people start to care and people know what's happening is when action, action can happen. And we're moving in that direction, you know, and DNI and our teams aren't going to stop. This is something that's critical and is ongoing. And we're excited to learn more, to hear other people's ideas and experiences. And we're never gonna give up on protecting youth in America. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.